Well, good morning, church. It's good to be back. Good to be back in the pulpit. I get to preach a word this morning, which I'm excited about. Uh, I also am excited about a couple. Uh, one more piece of information that I'd like to give you guys. Jordan was so gracious to let me share maybe the most important part about an announcement about Church in the Park. We're going to have potluck after in the Church in the Park. So, yeah, so if you could bring a main dish and a salad or dessert, and enough for a family twice your size, then we can feed the neighborhood. So that would be awesome. Anyone that might be coming. So, yeah, thanks, Jordan, for letting me do that. I appreciate you letting me announce the food part. Yeah. It's so good, and man, it was so good. I just really feel like God was trying to, trying to get the message across that regardless of your circumstances, no matter how bleak or how dark your circumstances are right now, He is good and He is with you. And I just really, really felt that in, in what was being sung this morning. So this morning, I know I don't want to disappoint you. I, I know you guys are all looking forward to jokes, but I have some inspirational things instead. So please forgive me for not sharing my terrible bad jokes, but we have some inspiration this morning. So some good stories. We all, we all need to hear good stories from now and again, right? So these are, these are different things that people shared online. My son asked for a new Xbox controller for Christmas. I didn't think about why he needed a new one until he opened it and got all excited because now his sister could play games with him. He didn't want it for himself. He wanted it so they could play together. My 19-year-old son bought a car today. The guy who sold it to him took the cash, counted out $1,000 and gave it back to him saying, good luck in college. Uh, it's kind of cool to think of someone somewhere is having the best day of their life. Someone's hearing, I love you for the first time today. Someone got the job of their dreams today. Someone received some kind of good news today. Tomorrow could be your best day. So keep going. And this, this is my favorite. My eight-year-old son in the car today says, Do you want me to throw the confetti in my pocket? I respond, no, 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 not in the car. Uh, why do you have confetti? My child, well, it's emergency confetti. I carry it everywhere in case there's good news. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I just love that. Well, today I'm going to be preaching on Moses. The title of my message today is Moses at Meribah. And uh, uh, we've, we've been going through some, some sermons, and uh, we, we heard some great things in the last number of weeks. And do you want to keep going? Do you want to keep growing deeper in God and keep learning the truths of God? Yeah? yeah? Oh, that was weak. That was weak. Come on. Do you want to keep growing in the Lord? Yes. yes. Okay, then we'll, we'll preach. All right. Okay, so we're going to hear about Moses today. I want to give you the quickest recap of Moses that I can. So he was born a Hebrew while the Hebrews or Israelites were in captivity while they were slaves in Egypt. He lived there about 40 years, raised as an Egyptian, actually, by Pharaoh's daughter. Until he ended up killing an Egyptian and fleeing from Egypt, living in Midian for about 40 years. And then God called him out of there back to Egypt 
to deliver the Egyptian, to the, sorry, to deliver the Israelites, take them out of Egypt into the promised land. We are going to be reading from Exodus 17. If you want to get ahead of there, in just a minute we'll be reading from there. But we're picking up Moses' story very shortly after they got to the promised land and they didn't have the faith that God was going to give them the promised land. And so God said, fine then, wander around in the wilderness for 40 years and we'll talk later. So they saw the occupants of the promised land as too big and God as too small for them to be able to uh, live in victory there. And so because of their unbelief, they were wandering around for a number of years. So if you could please stand and we're going to pray and we're going to read God's word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the many, many, countless truths that are in your word. And as we read today, Lord, we ask that we would be changed today by your word, that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, and Lord, that you would use your word to make permanent differences in our lives and that we could go on and make differences in other people's lives because of your word and because of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, let's read God's Word. Exodus 17, if you have your Bibles, you're probably there already. Verse 1 says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? And why are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, and water, strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? First off, we know from the previous chapters in Exodus that God was directing their movements. That God, through the pillar of fire and through the pillar of cloud, he moved and they moved with him. They were supposed to just stay with the pillar and as it moved, they were to move with the pillar. Whether it was fire or cloud, they were to stay with God. And so when it says there that they moved from place to place, it's that they were following the pillars 
the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. They were following that pillar around. And so they weren't simply walking around the desert trying to find some neat knickknacks and trying to find some souvenirs while they're staying in, in the desert. They were following God's every move. So when they ended up in a place where there was no water, it's not that Moses had led them wrong. It's not that they had taken a wrong turn. It's that God led them there. You know, a few years ago, Kristen and I were renovating in our old place, and uh, we, we needed a whole new kitchen. And so we went, we went looking for cupboards and countertops and found this place out of Winnipeg for, a, for a countertops. And so we thought, well, we're going to be there in a little bit. Why don't we check out the shop and pick out uh, a countertop then? It's easier than online, right? So, so we... While we were there, we plugged in the coordinates and hit, hit go on Google Maps. And, and away, we are, away we went, trying to find this, this countertop place in the middle of a city we don't really go to very often. So we're taking left turns and right turns and heading down roads and take this turn, and all of a sudden we're at an absolute dead end. Like there's no, there were no turns at all on that road. It was just a complete dead end. And a block down the road, through, through this dead end, we could see there's a road there. That's the road we're supposed to be on. But there's a block of stuff in the way. So, so we had to drive all the way around and get, find our way back to that road again. Do you know, are, did you know that God is better than Google? <laughs> I am so thankful that God is better than Google. God doesn't need to be told that there's been a change in the roads. God doesn't need an update. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs are on each of our heads. And I think there's fewer this year than there was last year. But that's okay. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. God knew that where he was leading the Israelites, he knew that there wasn't going to be any water there. He was testing them. It wasn't a mistake. Moses obeyed them. Moses obeyed God properly. While they were where they were supposed to be physically, their heart wasn't in the right place. They were with God, but their heart wasn't with God. Verse 2 says, So once more the people complained against Moses. Did you catch the first three words? So once more. That means they had done it before. We have record of them doing of at least twice before this, complaining to Moses. Moses, why this? Moses, why that? We don't really know how many times they actually complained. As I said, we have two record of two times before this and three times after that. But in 40 years, I'm pretty sure they would have complained a few more times. So they grumbled against Moses, blamed him for pretty much Everything. Because whenever the Israelites came into a crisis, they blamed Moses. They even blamed Moses for taking them out of Egypt. Of course, that was God that took them out of Egypt. They blamed Moses because their life in Egypt was so good. You know, as slaves in Egypt, it was just awesome. Why did you bring us out here? Of course, their life wasn't great as slaves. 
We can't be complaining about everything, though, and still remain close to God. When we complain, we distance ourselves from God. And when we draw closer to Him and closer to Him, we leave entitlement and we leave ingratitude behind us. It's easy to look at the Israelites and to say, man, you guys are, you guys are silly. All the things that God did to get you out of Egypt, to get you across the Red Sea, all the different ways in which He provided while you were traveling to the Promised Land the first time. God is so good. How can you guys be so silly to say, Moses, what are you doing? How can you complain against Moses? God provided in so many amazing ways. But you know, I'm so far from perfect. I, I can listen to a sermon about self-control and patience, and my kids interrupt me and I say, get out of here, I'm trying to listen to a sermon. Right? I can do that. I can look at the Israelites and I can judge them, but at the same time, I'm not perfect, and I can do pretty much the exact same thing, but in a whole lot shorter of a time frame. Let's keep going in our text. So the rest of verse 2 and all of verse 3 says, Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses said. Are you complaining against me? Are you testing, and why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue With Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? They didn't trust God. Regardless of what God did in the past, they didn't trust God in this moment. So they attacked Moses. They didn't trust God to take them into the promised land the first time. They didn't trust God to provide water today. And so they they attacked Moses. They blamed him because they looked to Moses to fix everything. All men but one are poor substitutes for God. We are made in the image of God, yes, but we are not God. There is only one God, and his name is Jesus, right? Yet the Israelites looked to Moses to provide for them. The text even says that the Israelites are testing God. Verse 7 says, Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Well, all they got to do is look up and see the pillar of cloud and know God is with them. They're testing him in that they are not trusting in what God has put in place. They're testing him by saying, we don't believe you can provide. They're testing him by saying, we don't trust this guy Moses that you've put over us. God had tested them, which is fine. God can test us. He will never tempt us, though. So they demanded water from Moses, from Moses, a man, instead of asking for it from God. In that way, they tested God. And we're not to test God, regardless of how many times that we level up in our lives, we are never to test God. Except, of course, Malachi 3.10 says we can test in our giving to Him. So instead of getting angry and continuing to argue with an obstinate crowd, Moses does the wise thing. 
and he turns to God. He seeks the Lord. You know, my dad would always say growing up, he said, when you argue with a fool, there are two fools arguing. And I think Moses, Moses' dad told him this before. And so, so Moses cried out to the Lord. Verse 4, it says, when Mo- Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. Now, whether they were actually ready to stone him or not, that doesn't really matter. They were clearly upset. And a crowd full of people that are thirsty and angry could, could lie, definitely stone a person to death. And so the important thing here is that Moses sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. And when we are in times of trouble, when we are up against opposition, when people are upset with us, that should be our first step, is to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek his face. Get on our knees and ask God, what's going on? What can I do here? He didn't rally for support. He didn't prepare an argument with scriptural backup. He sought the Lord. I love the Lord's response as Moses sought him. His response starts in verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. This is such a beautiful answer in more than one way, and we're going to look at a few of those ways as we, uh, as we listen here. So the first way that this is just a beautiful response is it's simple and it's doable. Take these people, hit this rock, and water will come out. Problem solved. I can do that. No problem. Secondly, when God tells Moses to grab the staff, the one that you use to strike the waters of the Nile, I love that it's a a reminder. Do you remember what I did for you in Egypt? Do you remember all the different ways that I used you? Do you remember how you lifted that staff up and this Red Sea was parted. Do you remember all the amazing ways that I've used you in the last six months alone? Do you remember? I love that God reminds him of his calling, of his identity, of who he is in Christ, of his purpose of why he was there. In a sense, God told Moses, you're still the man for the job, in this phrase. You're still the one that I want leading these people. And I feel like God is saying something in this to us here today. And I, so I'm going to take some liberties and I'm going to say that you're still the husband for your wife. You're still the wife for your husband. And I feel people are maybe curious about about their jobs, about what they're doing. And I feel like God wants to say, 
you're still the one for your job. He hasn't called you out of it. He hasn't placed you anywhere else. You're still the one for your position. Until God places you elsewhere, you're still the one. You're still the one. So don't quit prematurely. Don't let distractions or discouragement take you away from where you are placed and where you are given purpose. God hasn't forgotten. You're still the one for your job. What one statement could God say to you that would remind you of the things that he's called you to? What one situation, what one time or day in your life could God remind you of where you would be right back in that moment and you would know what God has called you to? Maybe you're wondering, I, I'm just not sure what it is, Lord, that you've called me to. I just don't remember that moment ever happening in my life. But if that did happen, I, I believe that God wants to remind you of that day and of that call on your life. God's not punishing you for keeping you from the very things that he created you for. Okay, God's not doing that to you. So third, not only did the Lord ask Moses to take his staff with him, but he also asked Moses to take some elders with him to witness this. And in doing my research, I couldn't find a single reason in any commentary, in any of my study notes, why those elders were to be brought with Moses. I have an idea. There was a lot of dissension in the Israelite camp. There was arguing. There was complaining. There were people that were not with Moses. And I think God said, bring those elders. Bring some elders. Because God wanted to rebuild that unity. God wanted to restore the team of the Israelites. There had been dissension. There had been people complaining. And that's not good. There's been, there'd been disunity there was disunity in the camp. And I think God said, bring the elders. Bring some elders because you need to have people that have your back. Because you need to see that I still think. They need to see that I still think you're the man for the job. And fourth and finally, that God brought water from a rock shows that he can do absolutely anything. Now, I can't think of anything drier than a rock in the desert. And yet, that's what God chose to be the vessel for this water. God, not only can God have the Israelites walk through on dry ground at the bottom of a lake bed, but he can also bring water from a rock that's been in the desert forever if I can get the worship and the prayer teams to come please so this is a story to remind us to trust God he can do anything absolutely anything but it's also a reminder that only God is God we can't look to any man any created thing and worship them. Only God is deserving of our worship.
When was the last time that, like Moses, you cried out to the Lord? We cry out to people, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? But when was the last time you cried out to the Lord for help? It's a reminder that we need unity in this house. If we don't have each other's backs, that the enemy can easily create a wedge between us. And if we're divided, our kingdom will fall. It's also a reminder of our callings and giftings with just one simple phrase. We can forget or get distracted or even afraid of letting God have control. And so we say, God, you have control, but then take it right back. But for you to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to, you need to let him have the reins and let, them ha- let him have them forever. Never take them back. And lastly, it's a great reminder that complaining will distance us from God. I don't know what aspect of today's text spoke to you the most, but I believe God did speak to you. And I do believe that there are people here today that, as I was talking about earlier, that you've forgotten or you've maybe wandered from the purpose that God has you here. I want to encourage you in that. God has still called you to that purpose, whether it was days ago, months ago, or even decades ago, that God gave you that word. If it's not fulfilled, then you're not done. I want to encourage you in that. And if you are here and you've never heard from God what your purpose is, you've never felt that call from Him, then we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to see God give you that call today where you are beyond a shadow of a doubt. You are so confident why God has you here. We all need to know what we're called to do because there are going to be there's going to be opposition there's going to be people complaining against us there's going to be things that come against us some dead ends that we come across and we need to have that confidence to know uh-uh, I'm called to this I'm still the man for the job I'm still the woman for the job I'm still here and so I want to see everyone leave this building knowing what God has called them to and having that confidence every day of their life. If you need prayer for any reason, for healing, for wisdom, for uh, any relationship troubles that you might be in, again, we'd love to pray with you. We have these wonderful volunteers up here that would love to see God move in your life. Finally, I always want to invite everyone in our services, whether physically or digitally, to join the family of God. And so if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus, I want to tell you a little bit about the day I did. I recognized that I wasn't perfect, still not, but that I needed a perfect sacrifice for my sins. And that was the person of Jesus Christ. 
The next step for me to, then was to accept his sacrifice and to honor that sacrifice by living for him today and every day of my life. And I've done my best to do that ever since. So if you want to do that, I'd love to speak with you and I'm going to be right up here. So please come talk to me. And if you're online, please message the, the online host and they'll, they'll help you in your journey with Jesus. Could you stand and we're going to close in prayer. Lord, you are so good. You've always been good. We thank you, Lord God, that whether we're at a dead end or whether we're in a really dark place in our lives, that you are good and that you have a calling and a purpose for each and every one of us. You've put us here with your plan in mind. And so, Lord, whatever that plan is, whatever that purpose is for each of us, Lord, we want to know why we're here. We want to know the greater purpose of our lives. And we want to participate in pursuing you and in building up the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, if any of us are unaware, would you be speaking to us even now? Would you be showing them even now what you've called them to? And as we close today, Lord God, we thank you so much that you're in control. That even though we don't see a pillar of cloud or a pillar, pillar of fire, that you are leading us every step of the way. That all we need to do is to look up and to seek your face. And we can confidently know where to go. Amen. So if you want prayer, we'd love to pray with you. And I really do want to see, if you don't know the purpose that God has for you, I'd love to see you up here. And we would love to pray with you to help you discover your purpose in the Lord. I want to bless you as you go. You can stay for a worship song and you can stay in the presence of God. And if you need prayer for absolutely any reason, we would love to pray with you and see God move in your life. Have yourself a wonderful week. God bless you. And again, don't leave without getting prayer if you'd like prayer. And there's coffee out in the foyer and there's wonderful people to go and visit with and be encouraged by. Have a great week and God bless you. Till I